Well, hello and welcome to Epic. My name is Tim Jones and I'm one of the executive leads on staff. And we are so glad that you are joining us on site and also online as well. Hey, I'm curious, uh, how many of you are excited that college football has started? Yeah, you can hoot and holler, come on, there you go. Hey, awesome. Well, hey, you can participate in this. Uh, how many of you, or at least a shout out, who is going to win it all this season? So who's gonna win it? Hey, that's pretty good. You guys are representing. So, you know, there are going to be a lot of broken hearts uh, this season, especially when my Wolverines take you all out. But uh, anyways, um, so, hey, you know, we are in this series broken. So, you know, we've already talked about broken uh, emotions, broken relationships. I just broke a bunch of relationships just now. So anyways, it's good. So, well, today we are in part four of our message series called Broken. And uh, I'm, uh, by a raise of hands, how many of you have enjoyed this series? How many? Yeah, yeah, it's been powerful, hasn't it? And so if you've missed out on any part of it, here's what we've been learning. Uh, we've been learning that uh, in this world, uh, we just hate it when things break, right? Like we hate it when our cars break, our AC break, which many of you experienced that in August with the heat here. Uh, and then also our refrigerators, which mine just broke and got fixed finally. So, but hey, when we have things that break, what do we often do when they break? We what? Well, we fix them now because of the economy, but, but we used to like toss them and get them, you know, like we're done with them, right? So, um, but in this series, we've been looking at what happens when the thing that is broken is us. What happens when our emotions are broken? What happens when our relationships are broken? And how does God respond to us when we are broken? And so it's been a powerful series. And if you missed any part of it, I highly recommend that you check out the series uh, from our website at theepicchurch.com to listen to it or to watch it. Now today we're going to focus on broken faith. And uh, one summer when I was a college student, um, I felt like God was saying, hey, go back and share your faith with the entire second shift of your summer job that you were at previously. And uh, so I said, all right, God, I'm in. Now this place, it was like pretty dark and it was pretty hopeless. People were making good money. They had a lot of toys, uh, but they did not enjoy their job and they really did not like each other. And so as I started to share my faith, um, this one guy said, hey, do you really believe in that stuff? And I said, Robo, which was his nickname because he was a machine, okay. <laughs> I said, Robo, have you ever read any of the gospel accounts of Jesus's life? And he said, no. And I said, hey, in the next month, would you read the Gospel of John and then let's have a discussion? And so he agreed. And so as the month was progressing, uh, his stare just kept going like blank with me. And I thought he was like getting ticked at me. Um, and so one day I said, hey, Robo, um, how are you doing? Like, are you reading the Gospel of John? And he said, yes, I've read it several times, which kind of shocked me. And I said, well, what do you think about Jesus? And he said, Jesus is the son of God. Now that blew me away. And I said, well, Robo, what's holding you back from like being all in? And he said, I wanna be all in, but I can't. And he said, my wife would not understand. You see, my wife grew up in church and something happened and she walked away from faith. I want to believe, but what will happen to her? Now, when he said that, it was an amazing moment of transparency 
and honesty and concern for his wife whose faith was broken. And I think it hits upon something that we've all experienced on our road to faith or our road away from God. It's this question that we've all wrestled with, the question of what does God do when our faith is broken? What does God do when our faith is broken? Now, that's a great question, okay? Whether you believe in God or not, um, we all have this system or framework of faith that guides us, whether faith in God or faith in something else. For some of us, we grew up in families or in a church or in a faith system uh, that taught us about God. And then um, it wasn't too bad at first. And then something happened and it just didn't feel very personal. It felt like God was more like against us or holding the line and he just didn't care for us. And so we wanted to stay, but we just couldn't. And so we walked away from God. We took the road leading away from him. Um, but we've always kind of wondered, like, was that the right thing to do? And then for others of us, like, God isn't even in the equation. Like, God was never even on the road with us. And uh, for us, maybe the road was science because it explained everything. And maybe we came up against someone that just turned us off to God because they said they were a Christ follower and they said one thing, but then their actions represented something else. And so the only reason that we're here today is because you're visiting from out of town or maybe you're watching online with your outlaws, I mean in-laws, so don't want to stir any trouble there. I'm trying to rile some things up. But, you know, it's like, what? What is God doing? Who is he? And then for others of us, you know, we've believed in God for like a long time. But something tragic happens. And we're in this place of like, Lord, where are you? Why is this happening to me? And so what do we do in those moments? What do we do in those moments where our faith is breaking? What do we do when we're like considering being on the road away from God or we are on the road away from God? And how will God respond to us if we're thinking about being on the road away from him or if we are on the road away from him? And so those are great questions. Those are questions that God actually wants to answer. And so today we're going to look through the story of these two men who were in the same situation where they were considering and they did walk away from God. And we're going to see how God answers these questions. So if you would turn with me to Luke chapter 24, verse 13 in your Bibles or your smartphone devices. And if you don't have a Bible, always feel free to have one from the back as our gift to you. Uh, and then also I wanna encourage you to download the YouVersion Bible app. It's an amazing tool that will help you to read scripture, to grow and understand it. But go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 24, verse 13, and I'll give you a moment to turn there. Now, let me set the scene for us as, before we dive in. Here's these two Jewish men who very much knew who Jesus is, uh, hung out with him and the 12 disciples because of the interactions that we're about to see, we know this. And most likely they've been following Jesus for a very long time and they have seen Jesus teach, they've seen him heal people, they've seen him do these unbelievable miracles uh, that no one has ever done before. And so for three years, Jesus is doing these unbelievable things that no one, uh, can believe. And 
all of a sudden, near the end of his lifetime with us, he's about to go to the Passover celebration in Jerusalem, or as we would know, like the Easter week and everything. And everyone thinks that he is going to reveal himself as the Messiah, like God's son, God in the flesh, and that he's going to take out the Romans and uh, at that point, take the nation of Israel and kind of put them back uh, on top. But over the next several days, Jesus begins to lose ground with the people. And then he loses ground with the religious leaders and he had to have them in his corner. And Jesus is put on trial several times and he doesn't defend himself. And then Jesus is beaten beyond recognition. And so they take Jesus and they put him up on the cross and they hammer nails through his hands and through his feet. And finally, Jesus dies on the cross. Now, Messiahs aren't supposed to die. The people thought that Jesus was going to rescue them. And then on Saturday, Jesus is still in the grave. And there is silence. And his followers are hiding because they don't want to be next. And so at this point, there are these two disciples who wake up on Sunday morning and they hear these reports of maybe Jesus is being seen, but they are so hopeless, they are so brokenhearted, they are in such disbelief that they decide to walk away from Jerusalem and walk away from God. And so that's where we're beginning today. So let's begin starting in Luke chapter 24, verse 13. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. Now, the reason that they're hurting so much is that all their lives, they had this framework of faith and it had been crushed, you know? It had been crushed. Like, although Jerusalem was like not their physical home, it was their spiritual home. They often went to Jerusalem to learn about God. Every year they would go there for Passover to celebrate with all the Jews from all across the Roman Empire about the time when God saved Israel from Egypt and he rescued them. This was the place in Jerusalem where they would pray with their community that one day God would send the Messiah to them and save them. But now what? Jesus is dead. Their hope has been dashed. They think that trust has been broken. And so they're taking the road away from Jerusalem, away from God. Now, many of us get this, you know? It's hard to walk away from something that has defined us for so long. But some of us grew up in faith traditions that taught us about God, and it was good for a while, and everything seemed good. There was structure, there was consistency. But then somewhere along the way, something happened. And the love that we once experienced has now turned into rules or shame or guilt. And, or maybe you've been crushed or were crushed by someone's words or actions. And so we wanted to stay, but yet we left. And all the time, it was just too much for our framework of faith that was crushed. That's what's happening with these two disciples. 
So when these two disciples leave Jerusalem, I bet there was just silence between the two of them. I bet they finally like, got to the point where they're able to talk. And as soon as they're ready to talk, isn't it interesting what happens next? In verse 15, as they talked and discussed these things, read this with me. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with him. Say it again. Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them. But God kept them from recognizing him. I mean, could you imagine being these two guys? All of a sudden they're on the road alone and this stranger all of a sudden is walking behind them. It's like, where did he come from? And, and who is this guy? You know, we didn't hear his feet on the gravel road. What's going on? But we get this, you know, sometimes we're hurting so much that we don't remember a conversation or someone who was there, but there's something more going on here. God is definitely not allowing them to recognize him. And there's something that is so important here. I don't want you to miss this because we're gonna be unpacking it the rest of our time as we check out this story. When we read those words that Jesus himself suddenly came and began walking with them, here's what we need to know, okay? When our framework of faith is being crushed or has been crushed, Love does not need a permission slip to follow you into the heart of darkness. Let me say that again. Love does not need a permission slip to follow you into the heart of darkness. God doesn't need you um, to, God doesn't need to be believed in, to be with you. Do you realize that? Like you can choose whatever road, but you can't choose to walk it alone. That's no matter how hard you try. Like he is with you no matter what. So hold on to that. Now picking up in verse 17, he, Jesus, asked them, what are you discussing so intently as you walk along? And I bet these two disciples, they're probably thinking like, who is this guy? Why is he interrupting? And why has he asked a question like that? Now, I bet they're trying to be polite, but it just comes off bad because they're hurting. And so they stop short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about the things that have happened there the last few days. Basically, they're saying like, where have you been? I mean, almost every Jew from across the Roman nation has come here and they know what happened to Jesus. Many of them saw it with their very own eyes. This wasn't just like some small insignificant event. This was major. Many Jews were thinking that Jesus was the Messiah who had come finally to free them from the Roman oppression. Now, I love what Jesus does. Jesus, who's still not recognized by them, okay, begins to shake things up a little bit, okay? And so he has this divine conversation with them in this key moment in their lives. And he responds in verse 19, what things, Jesus asks. Now, <laughs> you can laugh at that. Is he messing with them? Like, what, what is Jesus doing, you know? Well, here's what he's doing. He's beginning to help them break apart their framework of faith, okay? Their framework of faith had taken them off in the wrong direction. They were on the wrong road. 
But rather than like smashing it to pieces, he just gently talks to them to bring them out in a significant way to be transparent in a conversation. Because he knows that these guys are hurting. He knows that they wanted hope. He knows they wanted a dialogue. And that's what these guys wanted. And so Jesus patiently listens to them. Let's watch how he does that. Picking up in verse 19, as these men are pouring out their heart to him, the things that happened to Jesus, the man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and they crucified him. We had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel. This all happened three days ago. So basically they revealed to us their framework of faith that Jesus knew. All their lives they had believed that God would send the Messiah to do away and come and take out the Romans. That was their framework of faith, but they had missed it along with the nation of Israel. That's not what God intended. God had never intended for the Hebrew people um, to do those things. He intended for them to become a nation that would help them draw all nations to God, that they were to be a great nation that would help to uh, usher all nations to have peace with God. That's the framework that they were supposed to have. But these disciples, they continue to grasp with things because they're torn. There's something going on, and Jesus knows this. And so they knew growing up, like that's what they had believed, that was their framework. But then something happened, and they weren't sure about it. And it just didn't add up for them, okay? And so they saw a glimpse of hope, but they weren't sure. And so verse 22, then some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. And they came back with an amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them Jesus is alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone, just as the women had said. Now I think Jesus sees that they're at this point of not being defensive anymore and that they're trying to like, pick up all the pieces of their uh, broken framework of faith. And so some of us, we get this, you know, we grew up in faith traditions and something happened and it did not add up at all. But then when we read about Jesus, it was like, what's that? And our hearts were just basically tugged in his direction. And it didn't add up for us. For others of us, you know, the, you, you, you're like, hey, I don't have a framework of God. But you're touching upon something that's happened before. Like sometimes I've run up against people who they're like the real deal. Like what they say like matches their actions. Their actions match their words. And they're so nice and they're just amazing people. And I, I just don't understand who they are and why they do the things that they do. 
And so for some of you who don't believe in God, you continue to walk on this road and you keep meeting these strangers that you're like, man, they just feel like they're the real deal and it causes you to pause, to pause on the road that you're on. Well, that's what's happening to these disciples, okay? There was something familiar with this guy. He had won them over to the point that they're sharing their hurt with him. He has this quiet confidence and this strength, and he just seems to be someone like they've met before. Interesting. Verse 25, then Jesus said to them, you are slow to make all the connections. That's a whole lot better translation than you foolish people, okay? The real context is you are slow to make connections. If that were the real good translation, like these guys would have walked away, okay? But instead, they are intrigued to listen to him because they sense something about him that is different. They sense that he knows something and they're hoping deep down that they've missed something, that they've missed something and that's why their framework of faith has been crushed. And so Jesus knows that they did miss something. And so he continues, you find it so hard to believe all the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. He took them through the entire Old Testament. And so a walk that was only supposed to take two hours took almost like half the day. And these guys like soaked everything in with this stranger. But is he really a stranger? I mean, they never imagined that like going from like heartbreak that morning that all of a sudden in this one conversation that something is coming alive on the inside of them. But that's what's happened for some of you here at Epic, you know. I constantly run into people who have said like they left their framework of faith, uh, something just didn't add up, and then they started coming here and they learned that God is for them and that he's for their com the community. Some of you, I've run into you and you didn't believe in God. God wasn't on your grid. And yet you kept running to, across all these strangers out in the community and they were telling you about Epic and you finally just came. You don't know why you came, but you came. And then there's many of you who have said, you know, Epic just feels like home. Here's what's really going on. What, what's really happening, what you're experiencing is this. Even when you walk away from faith, you're discovering that love has walked alongside of you the entire way. He will walk with you in any situation. Now, some of you, you need to hear that. Some of you are going up against something that is so tragic right now, and you feel so alone, and you feel like you're in the dark. Realize that he is with you and that he will help you and take you out of the darkest times. That's what these guys were finding out. And so let's continue in verse 28. By this time, they were nearing Emmaus and the end of their journey. Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged, stay the night with us since it is getting late. So he went home with them. Now don't miss this, okay? What Jesus does next. I mean, this is so good. As they sat down to eat, he took the bread and blessed it. Then he broke it and gave it to them. Now, when Jesus does that in front of them, 
There is something so familiar with this scene, okay? Like they've seen this before. Like when he looks up into the sky and he prays and his voice and his accent and his words, they're going back in the memory banks and they're like, we have seen this before. We have seen like this looks like Jesus when he's feeding the 5,000, when he broke bread and the fish. This reminds us of the last report we heard from the disciples that told us that the night before his death, he broke bread with them and gave them this new teaching. Who is this? Is this? And suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized Jesus. And at that moment, he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us? Didn't we sense that this was Jesus? I mean, he is alive. He has come back from the dead. Uh, he's here. We saw him with our own eyes. And man, they are so excited in the moment that they don't like realize he disappeared. It's kind of like when you get so excited, you forget that you're burning something on the stove and you leave it there to talk to somebody on the phone. And so they are so excited that they run, they run all the way back to Jerusalem, back towards God, back towards the disciples because they wanna say what has happened to them. Verse 36, and just as they were telling about it in front of all the disciples and those who were still hiding, Jesus himself was suddenly standing there among them. Peace be with you. And he showed them his scars. He invited them to touch his scars. He probably passed out hugs galore. And they were like, can I really hug you? Yes, you can. And in that moment, he ate fish with them. He was no ghost. And I bet they laughed. I bet they cried. And he continued to open up the scriptures and teach them and help everyone connect the dots. Verse 45, then he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. And he said, yes, it was written long ago that the Messiah would suffer and die and rise from the dead on the third day. It was also written that this message would be proclaimed in the authority of his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. There is forgiveness of sins for all who repent. And after Jesus extends this invitation to them, they join him. These disciples join him. These disciples who are walking away from God, walking away from Jerusalem, all of a sudden they were pursued by the one who they thought was a stranger by Jesus. Jesus came and had this divine appointment, this divine disruption with them. And he listened patiently to their heartache and what they were wrestling with. And he helped them. He prodded them. He realized that deep down, they were hoping that they had missed something. They were hoping that they were wrong. And Jesus saw that and he said, here's what's going on. Yes, I'll address your framework of faith. And I will help you connect all the dots. Because here's what it's about. Jesus didn't come just for a few he came for everyone. Doesn't that resonate with us? Like Jesus didn't come just for a few, like the Jews had believed. Jesus came for everyone. 
And that's why some of you, you, you're so alive here at Epic. You know, when we teach, we teach in such a conversational way because God wants to have a conversation with you. He wants to hear you. He wants you to hear from him. That's why we serve our community as a church because we're mirroring the heartbeat of who God is because he's the one that loves everyone. That's why we reach out to people who are hurting. That's why we give so many resources to support our care and counseling networks so that people are met exactly where they need to be met at. And that's why we try to not only talk, but our actions match our talk because people, instead of seeing strangers, should see Jesus through us. That's the framework that Jesus wants us to have. That's his desire so that everyone, everyone can come to know him. So we began with this question. The question was this. What does God do when our faith is broken? Here's what he will do. He will, without permission, walk alongside you the entire way until you recognize him, and then he will give you a new framework of faith, a framework that is for everyone. You know, when I talked to Robo, uh, my friend, and he had this heart concern for his wife, I said to him, you know, Robo, if Jesus has revealed himself to you, don't you think that Jesus can take care of your wife? And he's like, yeah, I believe that. I said, Robo, would you like Jesus to be your savior? And he said, yes. And when he prayed to receive Christ, After that, I have never seen someone get so excited about receiving Christ. He started yelling because this guy has been reading like the gospel of John for several like, you know, days over and over again. He's like, I want to go to Jerusalem. He says that. And he just starts like in the middle of the place. I'm like, well, keep it down here. You know, I mean, we're going to get kicked out or something. You know, he was so excited. He wanted to walk where Jesus walked. He said that out loud. It was awesome. It was amazing. Now, some of you, you're on the road away from God. Some of you are considering being on the road away from God. Would you simply pause? Would you simply say, like, you know what, God, instead of like me trying to change you, maybe it's time for me to look at my framework of faith. Maybe I need to exchange my framework of faith for yours, Jesus. Because Jesus never promised that it would be easy here. In fact, he said this in John 16, 33, he said, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I, I have overcome the world. Now, some of you, instead of like walking away, maybe your first step is just to have a conversation about the road that you're on. And we would love to engage in that conversation. We've got people in our care ministry, as soon as you walk out those doors, who would love to have a discussion with you. If it can't happen today, then sign up and we will have someone meet with you so that you can talk about your framework of faith. And we will listen. We will hear you. If you're online and you want to have that conversation, fill out our connect card. 
okay? We would love to make a time so that someone can talk to you. Now, for others of us, you know, like Jesus extends this invitation to get involved for everyone, right? And I can't think of a more critical time in our country and our world's history than to get involved like now. Actions speak volumes, okay? And we're going to three services in two weeks. We've got so many new people who are coming every week. It is crazy. And they need you to get involved in their lives, and so would you simply like get on the connections team? Would you get into the children's ministry? Would you get on the parking team? There are so many things that can be done by you, by you, and be used to reach everyone because that's God's plan is to have you reach everyone, to be a part of that. And so if you're interested in that, we've got our connections team who's gonna hand out connect cards in the lobby with a QR code and everything for you to be able to scan, start to fill it out. You can fill it out on the kiosks out there. Just fill it out. If you don't know what you wanna do, just say, I don't know what I wanna do, but I wanna get involved. And we will help you. And we will uh, arrange a conversation to see what would be the best fit for you. Now, here's how we're gonna close today. We're gonna close in prayer, but we're also going to sing this powerful song, okay? Many of you are on the road away from God. Some of you are struggling and thinking about being on that road. But you heard something today. You heard Jesus whisper into your heart. He wasn't a stranger. He was real. He said something to you. You met him face to face. And when that happens, it is so appropriate to praise him, to praise him. And so we're gonna sing this powerful song. And I want you, if he has spoken to you, to raise your hands. Because there's two things. When you raise your hands, you're, you're acknowledging God, you're acknowledging him speaking to you, you're worshiping him, you're praising him, but you're also, this is an act of surrender. And some of you need to say, God, I only not praise you for speaking to you, to me, but I'm turning back to you. I am not going to be on this road any longer. Thank you for speaking to me. Some of you, you're walking with God and it's just a great way to praise him and say, God, use me. I'm excited of what's going on here, what we're about to do in the community. Things are about to rev up here. God, use me, lead me, guide me. Thank you for working. And so that's how we're gonna close today. So I'm gonna close in prayer. If you would stand with me, and I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna sing this song. So Father, thank you so much for speaking to our hearts. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Jesus, you are amazing. Thank you so much for coming and realizing that our framework of faith is off and that you have come to us and that you are leading and guiding and you are alongside of us and walking with us, no matter where we try to go, no matter what we try to do, you're there. And when we turn to you and realize that it's you, we receive your embrace, a loving embrace. Words can't even describe it. Some people here today 
are on the road away from you, but they have felt your presence, they have heard you whisper into their hearts, and they know it's you, Jesus. They know it. And so in this moment, as we sing, would they lift their hands as a symbol to everyone, as a testimony to everyone, that you have spoken to their hearts, that they are surrendering, that they are coming back to you. God, for others of us, for those who are walking with you, may today we just echo our praise and our trust and our surrender to you. God, you are moving in this world. It is growing darker and our actions are speaking volumes. So God, give us your love. Give us your compassion because you are for everyone. So we thank you in Jesus' name, amen.